Hello and welcome to Beer Prime episode 25 with Elusive Brewing. Thanks for joining me and I've got a great episode for you today. My main guest is Ruth Mitchell from Elusive Brewing based in Finchamstead, Berkshire, pretty much right next door to Siren Craft Brew. We'll be enjoying a few of their lovely beers and covering lots of topics, including their fifth birthday and the beers that they're brewing to celebrate. But before that, I thought we'd catch up with an old friend from episode eight, Lee from Brew York. They too are celebrating their fifth birthday and have also put out a five pack of collaboration brews to commemorate the occasion. There's also been a few changes with them since we spoke last September. So here's my chat with Lee. So welcome back, Lee from Brew York. Hello, thanks for having me back. Not a problem at all. It's good to catch up and see what's been happening because it was September that we spoke last in the it feels a lot more recent, to be honest. I know. It, you know what? It That felt like it to me as well. It's bizarre, isn't it? Um, it was episode 8, 30th of September. Wow. Yeah. yeah I genuinely thought that was um, a lot a lot more recent than that. Yeah. No, absolutely. Me too. Um, it's when I looked back on it and saw the date, I thought, crikey, that's, I think, you know, that's, uh, I guess, uh, another indicator of how times have been recently. Definitely seems to have in the last year. Mm. Yeah, lots of days morphing into one. Uh, absolutely. I'm having the first one of your Freaky Franchise series, A New Beginning. Um, and this one, uh, this is a collaboration with Amundsen. And it's a coffee, blueberry, cacao, walnut and vanilla Imperial Milk Stout. Yeah, well, yeah. why not? <laughs> mm. So, yeah, we... We've done five different beers. Yeah, that one's with Amundsen. We know Jeff, the owner, pretty well. Drank with him at many a beer festival. Uh, got him some messy sturts drinking with Jeff because uh, he <laughs> likes to produce and um, push on you those kind of beers. Um, and that recipe was conceived with his head brewer, Matt Allens, uh, who's a great guy. And he was the one who suggested the direction of the coffee with the blueberry and doing it as a breakfast type pastry stout. And uh, Hopefully, Matt thinks we've done that concept justice. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, first sip. Um, I am getting, so definitely getting the coffee and the walnut and the bit of the blueberry all in that, just that first sip. Good. Um, all those flavors coming through. It's really nice. Mm. So that one's 11%. And you've got four others that kind of go up one percentage in strength. Yep. So the second one is called the Revenge Maple and Pecan. With Napa beer. Yep, from uh, Pamplona in um, Spain. Mm -hmm. uh, then the Ghost I mentioned, 13% with uh, Fierce Brewing, and that's a Mexican mole. That's, I love that one. Yeah, yeah looking forward Absolutely to that one. Happy with that one Excellent. Uh, then the Dream Child with Tiny Rebel, a Rocky Roads ice cream, Imperial Style. And the final one, uh, the final chapter, 15%, with uh, the Emperor Brewery, Honeycomb Coconut, Cacao, Tonka, and vanilla. Wow. I mean, <laughs> I'm looking forward to all of them, but I'm I'm really looking forward to that one. I, I just I adore oh, the Tonkoko series. So you know anything with Tonka in it um, wins for me anyway, straight away. 
I mean, the, the flavor's great in that one, uh, but wait until you experience the body of that beer. It is without doubt the thickest thing we have ever made. <laughs> Excellent. And so I was reading, actually, Damien from the Emperor's Brewery was saying that he really wants to do Emperor's Tonkoko. Yeah. Uh, well, so this is the closest he's got to it uh, at, the, at the moment, but it doesn't look like he's given up. Oh, no, it, it will happen. Uh, <laughs> we are in talks with Damien about trying to get a dip together for a first-to-first brew so obviously this one had to be done as a, a virtual one yeah uh, because of the, the times of the pandemic so yeah Damien and I uh, are talking about when we can uh, long last make Empress Tongoko to sit alongside Empress Tongoko that we already have. Fantastic well that's something to look forward to definitely uh, so obviously these are for uh, to celebrate your fifth birthday congratulations happy birthday <laughs> happy birthday and of course, you know, obviously this is, uh, you've you pulled out all the stops because you weren't able to celebrate the fourth, were you really, last year? Yeah, I, I, like many breweries, unfortunately, um, some people have missed some momentous occasions and yeah, fourth, I suppose is not that significant. We always try to do something big to celebrate our birthday, usually a big party down in the, the tap room and beer hall, uh, usually a beer festival and we attract some of the UK's best breweries to come and pour alongside us. Uh, we couldn't do that for our fourth. We're pretty optimistic about doing it for our fifth. But then obviously, as we got nearer to that day, it became apparent that all that's not going to be possible. Yeah. So we're like, well, if it can only be virtual, how do we make it as special as we possibly can? So hence the concept of doing five stouts with great, five great stout producers and going really big with them all in terms of ABV and flavor. So yeah. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15%. I don't think there's too many breweries, certainly in the UK, that would attempt to release that as a quintet. No, indeed. I mean, I think you'd you'd have some perhaps doing maybe a range of beers from different differing styles, but literally going going in as eleven percent, the entry level. <laughs> you've you've not messed around, really, have you? There. <laughs> we, we, we not. Although I think as I hope you're finding there, they they do drink a little lower than that. Yeah. I think especially as you get up to the 14 and 15% ones, they are what I would consider to be incredibly dangerous beers, particular with the level of sweetness that we have in it. It really masks the alcohol in there. Right. Uh, you're more likely to, to feel it than to taste it. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Aside from celebrating your fifth birthday, quite a lot of other things have happened since we last spoke in September. You've moved to your new brewery site, haven't you? Yeah, um, just 15 minutes um, north of where our original site was, just on the outskirts of York in a place called Osbaldwick, little industrial estate. So we've taken on a, a 13,000 square feet building there. So 10,000 square feet of that is production. Uh, 3,000 square feet of that is a giant fridge at four degrees. Wow. Um, so, yeah, we're able to store our product uh, the best we've ever been able to store it. And we've spent all in one and a half million pounds on our expansion to oh. custom brew kit. In fact, it's two kits. Um, we have one kit that is designed to do sessionable beers, you sort of four or five percent pails. And then we have one kit which is specifically designed for the production of big, strong beers like this quintet of beers here. Fantastic. And so in terms of the increase in production from the old, uh, or I won't say old, original Warmgate site, 
how how much has that increased? So in theory, we could produce probably about six times the amount of beer in the same eight-hour period. Right. So it is quite a leap um, in terms of scale and sophistication. Sure. Um, and all in, we would expect to perhaps double our production this year. But the kit that we've installed has a capability well beyond that. So this will see us well into the next few years. All yeah. in well. Something to grow into. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. fantastic. Yeah. And of course, you've also opened a new bar in Leeds. So, yeah, we had a soft launch uh, last Monday where we brought across um, the bulk of our team, uh, tested out the processes, the beer, see how things were performing, etc. Really good to catch up with the team across there, show them the new place um, and see what um, John, our bar director and his team have done. Uh, and they've done a fantastic job with the place. Uh, we then had a, a trade night on the Wednesday where we had representative of other uh, local businesses, in, including uh, the kind of Leeds beer scene. So Northern Monk, those guys were across uh, North, uh, Kirkstall um, and various others. Um, I will get in trouble for not mentioning, but we can't <laughs> list everybody. Yeah. Um, and then on the Thursday was the full public launch when we finally got... I think it's after about seven, eight months, we finally got the public into the bar that we acquired some time ago. Um, and yeah, all since they've been received very well so far. Fantastic. Excellent. Well, that's great news. I'm definitely coming up to the area, hopefully at one point this year. So it'd be nice to get across to um, to the new bar, but also also visit York as well, because uh, definitely the your your beer hall, I thought was fantastic when I went there. Um, just nice and spacious. Yeah, having the um the, the guys doing the food in the corner as well. I can't remember their names. The well, we have recently changed that. So we now have a vendor you... called Yuzu across all of um our different venues, and they do um, right. Asian, Korean, Japanese. So the, the favorite thing that they do that I really enjoy is um duck fries. So duck popped fries with lots of hoisin sauce and spring onions, absolutely beautiful. And then they do like bao buns and different flavored Asian chicken strips and bowls of ramen and noodles. And yeah, all of it's absolutely fantastic. That sounds Not amazing. The line, but fantastic. <laughs> oh, one treat that I particularly love is they do soy pickled eggs, which they've sous vide. So they have a runny yolk still. Oh my God. That sounds amazing. Uh, it's funny to watch people who don't realize that and then attempt to bite halfway in. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I can I can imagine. <laughs> oh, that sounds great! Excellent. Well, um, yeah, I mean, as I say, I definitely uh, want to get over at some point um, this year. Anything else on the horizon? Anything else on the horizon? So we, we continue to keep our eyes open for other bar opportunities. There's a couple of other cities where we're hoping something uh, will tempt us. Uh, we're not there yet. We got close previously uh, in one place, Manchester. We almost had somewhere that fell through for reasons. To, I don't need to go into, but probably predominantly still looking in the north of England. But who knows beyond that in the future? Right. And maybe at some point we might have a brew York, a brew York London then. Potentially. At never, some point, never. yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe uh, not for a while, but uh, yeah. <laughs> no, not near the, the top of the agenda. Um, very congested markets, some incredibly good quality breweries down there, already doing a fantastic job. So, um, yeah, there would be other things higher up the list before we went into London. Sure, absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me, Lee, to catch up. And uh, it's been great seeing what you've been uh, up to since 
September. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Cheers, then. Really enjoying those birthday beers. I've had two of them now so far and still three more to go, including, of course, that monster 15% one brewed in collaboration with the Emperor's Brewery. And I'm really looking forward to getting to visit their new bar in Leeds. And I know it's probably a way off, but I can't wait until they have a southern presence, hopefully London, so I can visit them more often. Okay, so today's episode is all about the two guests. No extra features. So that means it's now time to welcome Ruth Mitchell from Elusive Brewing. Hi, nice to meet you. Yeah, you too. Thanks very much for coming on. Anytime. Ruth, can you tell us a little bit about what you do at Elusive? Uh, Yeah, so I am head of sales, marketing and events, uh, which is a very high-powered sounding title um but uh, essentially i look after everything that is sales related but also the tap room um marketing anything that is can not production and not high level thinking that requires andy's brain <laughs> right fair enough but you've got quite a, a wide remit there though sales marketing events that's quite a lot um yeah i mean it's a it's a small team there's only three of us um up until april there was only two people and up until March last year, it was just Andy on his own. So because of that, it means we all go and get to get involved in lots of different things. So some days I can be selling things, but then if we're doing a canning run, then I'll be helping with that. Also perfecting my palette wrapping skills, which have uh, a lot to be decided at the moment. Right. OK. And and of course, quality control as well. I'm sure you get that is involved crucial. in a little bit of quality. That's a, a very big part of the role, I'm sure. It, um, yeah, it is actually at the moment. Uh, we've brewed quite a lot of quite uh, new beers in in some relatively kind of unusual styles, and we want to make sure that everything that leaves the brewery is perfect. So that involves quite a lot of tasting, and actually for me, it's really interesting to see how the beers evolve in tank, and then also when we can at the moment, we can condition, and so they change quite a lot in the can, um, and that's a reflection how they're being keg as well. Yes, yeah, so we just need to make sure that everything that goes out is uh, is a really high standard. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, everything I've tasted from Elusive so far has been of a high standard. Uh, I, can, I can definitely vouch for that. What was your background in beer before this job, Ruth? Um, so I've worked in the drinks industry for just over 12 years. Um, so I started off working at Admins in Suffolk um, and worked there for seven or eight years. Um, and that was kind of, that was wonderful, actually. It was really like going to kind of beer university a little bit so I started off doing national telesales and then moved into a marketing role and looking after brewery and distillery tours and then ended up doing an on-the-road kind of field sales role so it was wonderful to actually get to see those different parts of the business Mm. Um, and after that I worked for a couple of other breweries for um, Charles Weld and then for West Berkshire Brewery had a bit of time working for a spirits company as well because I'm a bit of a gin monkey as well as a beer fan and then most recently before working for elusive um i worked for utopian who i think you had on the podcast recently oh, we did lovely indeed. jeremy absolutely yes yeah it was a really really interesting chat with uh jeremy also joined by adrian tierney jones on that one so yes. the, the two of them talking about bamberg and uh double decoction mashing and everything oh went right over my head <laughs> <laughs> lager is a whole a whole other realm of uh of really amazing things but I found it incredibly interesting coming really from a very kind of ale based 
background to to find out how different it is really it was uh, it was really interesting to see yeah okay fantastic well while you were chatting there i've just opened up the first beer um i will i will do that too yes good idea so that's um penta five yes. pale ale and i did right. take a cheeky little swig as well what did you think very nice and refreshing um given it's sort of sessionable abv as well i would say it's tasting sort of over five percent, where whereas actually it's only four point two percent. It's got a, a nice bit of body to it. Um, what I think a lot of sessionable beers lack, um, but this is got some good body and uh, yeah, good, not lovely flavour. Good. Uh, yeah, the idea with Penta was we wanted to make something that was kind of relatively light and easygoing, kind of something you can have more than one of. But we think also when we're doing that, it's really important to make sure it's still really tasty and an interesting thing that you want to go back to again and again. And um, so we use quite a, a kind of a, a wide variety of hops, uh, some from uh, Germany, some from America and uh, one from New Zealand. Um, but they actually all play together really nicely. I think it's a really well-rounded beer. Yes, indeed. But as you said, light and easygoing um, and sessionable. But uh, yeah, I mean, the... The flavours coming out from here is sort of very citrusy and a bit piney as well. So, yeah, definitely ticks the boxes. Good. That's good to know. Let's cover the history of Elusive first off then. So how, well, obviously, I was about to say how long has Elusive been? (laughs) It's your fifth birthday this this year at the moment. We're going to talk about the fifth birthday and the beers a little bit later on. So obviously it was five years ago, but what was the uh, the story? Um, Yeah, I feel a bit weird telling this actually I mean I've only been working for Elusive for just over a month um, but I did sit Andy down earlier and we had like a little bit of like this is your life um, <laughs> timeline things um, yeah so Elusive we Andy got the keys to the unit in February 2016 um, the first brew was in April um, and then the beer first went on sale in May 2016 so that's the point where we kind of take the birthday from Prior to that, um, a lot of people know that Andy was a home brewer and he won uh, the National Home Brewing Awards in February 2014. And that was really working out the first step to setting up professionally. Um, and that's also kind of a lot of the reason, I know we're going to talk about the home brewing competition later, but yeah. the fact that he had that real kind of help and step up. It was really important to kind of getting elusive off the ground. And so we want to make sure we can um, kind of give that opportunity to someone else as well. Fantastic. Excellent. And actually, from we we chatted about this earlier, from winning the homebrew competition, he basically spent two years trying to find the premises um, and had various places that kind of came and went and weren't right or were right but fell through for different reasons. Um, and it actually got to the point where he'd got a premises, had left his kind of proper grown-up job, and then that premises fell through. And there was a unit that came up in Fintampstead, literally next door to sirens so like if we wanted we could probably throw something over a fence and hit them um, <laughs> and so he spoke to Darren and was like do you mind me setting up in your back garden um, and Darren and the guys at Siren have been incredibly supportive and they're like no come and come and kind of join in the fun and mm. um, yes yeah, so we, we've got he started off with one unit there um, and we've now got two kind of sandwiched between the Siren Brewery and their tap yard which is quite fun. Right. Okay. So yeah, I was going to mention Siren because yes, yeah, so obviously you're very close geographically to them, but there seems to be, and I'm going to coin this phrase, uh, a beer mance going on. <laughs> that's that's fair. <laughs> between Elusive and Siren. They are they are the best neighbours that a brewery could get. 
Um, we actually did, as part of our fifth birthday, we brewed five collaborations with five either breweries or companies that have really meant a lot to Elusive sort of along the way. And Siren obviously had to be be part of that. And we actually brewed with them today. It was probably sort of the truest, not the truest collaboration, but having sort of elements of both breweries in it to the extent that on Wednesday, John, who's the head brewer over at Siren, had a forklift truck um, come along with an IBC full of their very nice, soft, highly treated beautiful water and yes, um, so we had siren water going into our hot liquor tank and then they came and helped mash in so it was it was really great to kind of like always have kind of the the soul of siren beer going into a beer that we're making it elusive fantastic so who are the other four breweries in those beers let's start talking about those uh, birthday beers uh, yeah so the first one was double barreled so they are an autumn brewery who are close to us they're based over in reading and um, that was started by mike and lucy a couple of years ago and they make fantastic beers uh, we've done collaborations with them before and we brewed a belgian style bubble with them called happy horses uh, which is going to be released to the bank holiday weekend this week or next week depending on when you're listening to the podcast or potentially last week <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and um, so that'll be available. Out or it's out and it's sold out. You can't get it's, it. Anymore, it's somewhere. Um, <laughs> so that's going to be available the last bank holiday in May, um, right. and then will be on sale in all good bottle shops, or some of them, and also from the brewery. And um, so that was the first one. Uh, the second actually wasn't a collaboration with another brewery. It was with the Malt Miller, who are a home brew supplier based in Swindon. And again, that links back to the the home brew competition. Um, so with them, we have brewed a whipped beer um, with ginger, orange and chamomile, uh, which is called Crisp Witty. Um, it's my, my favourite beer name of all of them. Yeah, very good. <laughs> um, and then the other three are Weird Beard, who were with us uh, last week and we brewed a, a Mexican-inspired Imperial Stout uh, Siren. And then we've got the guys from Marble coming down next week to complete the five. Right. Wow. Well, apart from double barreled and the malt miller there's a, a lot of breweries that i've had on the podcast because uh, oh, i have marble cool. as well and weird beard so nice fantastic there you go brilliant um and so uh, those beers i guess are going to be coming out in stages rather than released as one pack yeah i think originally the dream was to have everything sort of available together um but sometimes we've got very very little space and so storing kind of five full brews um, just didn't seem practical. So the first three are coming out, um, as I said, the bank holiday weekend, and then the final two will be released um, probably mid-June. Right. Okay. So not too far apart then. So Not too far. Excellent. Um, and the, the plan is we will have the birthday mix space available, but obviously if people want to get in there early, then they can as well. Fantastic. Well, that's something we'll look forward to. So, yeah, we did touch then on the home brewing competition because as yes. well as brewing five collaboration beers to celebrate the fifth birthday, you're also running this home brewing competition. Um, yeah, so the the basis, as I said, was really about Andy wanting to do something to really give back to a community that's been incredibly supportive of him. Before Elusive happened, he won National Home Brewing Awards and part of the, the prize for that was to have a beer commercially brewed. So for him, that was Level Up, uh, the first version of that, which was with Citra and Simcoe. And that was brewed at Darkstar and was produced as part of their, sort of their guest range. And that obviously is, is then dual branded and sort of went out around the country. And that's something that we wanted to give the opportunity to someone else. 
Um, so we've worked with the guys at the Malt Miller. Um, so we've brewed a whipped beer um, and published um, kind of a, a size down version. The Malt Miller have produced a kit based around that. And um, the great thing that they do is actually all of their kits are fully customizable. So you don't have to use the recipe that we've used. You can use different adjuncts, different yeasts, um, whatever you think. There was loads of interest. The kits went on sale um, at midday on a Wednesday and essentially broke their website, which was really, for them, very stressful. For us, it was actually quite lovely to see how much interest there was. To the extent that we've, we decided to release, it was originally going to only be 100 kits and that kit was then your entry into the competition um, we released another 50 I think so there's now 150 people out there um, all bring their version of a whipped beer and um, they get sent into the malt miller and we're going to judge them on July the 16th right um, and so results will be out sort of shortly after that and I guess the hope is obviously we want to choose the the best beer but what we'd really like is that that's brewed by someone who really wants to take the sort of first step into being a commercial brewer and then we can help them help them do that. Um, so whoever wins can come to the brewery, they can brew a full length brew with us. Um, it doesn't have to be the wit, it can be whatever they fancy. Um, we will we'll brand, dual brand it or brand it as they like and then we can sell it out into our network. Um, so let's give them the same step up that Andy had. Fantastic. Excellent. Well, that's great to see that um, Andy has uh, certainly not forgotten his home brewing roots. Not at all. Um, and uh, wants to support future, well, future brewers, I guess, as you said. Yeah, future pe- people who want to get into uh, into full scale brewing as well. Fantastic. Um, right. OK, so uh, since we're on the subject of uh, Andy, it is a widely held opinion that he is the nicest man in beer. Um, I can confirm that. I think, yeah, hundred percent. Excellent, that's good. Um, but he has a he has a love of uh, a particular style that is not everybody's cup of tea. I'm actually on his side. I do like this style. Um, he loves his black IPAs, doesn't he? He really does. Um, yeah, I think. And at first, I I kind of I join with him in that. I think it's it's probably really hard. I'd say it's a really hard style to do well. But when they are done well, then they're absolutely delicious. So yeah, yeah. No, there's, there's a hashtag about it and everything. There is, there is. Um, what is it? Is um hashtag uh, Bipper comeback. Bipper comeback. That's right. Yes. I mean, we've actually got a couple. Um, unsurprisingly, a couple of black IPOs in the pipeline. And um, so the beer we're brewing with Marble is going to be a matchup of our Shadow of the Beast black IPA and their Earl Grey IPA to make an. Earl Grey Black IPA, um, wow. <laughs> which is going to be really exciting. Um, and then we've also got a collaboration booked in for a couple of months' time with Aspatch and Hobday, um, and that will be a Black IPA as well. Fantastic. Okay. Right. So moving on beer styles then, because um, I'm done with the Penta. So, um, yes, yeah, so I'm, <laughs> I'm going with Mechanism now, which is an American Brown Owl, 5.6% ABV. For me, this is a this is a style that I love as well. It looks great, doesn't it? It looks really pretty. Yeah, just have a nice sip of this one now. Mm. Oh yeah, that's that is really really good. Nice and roasty, malty, but it just doesn't get much love over here. I don't think the brown owl style. Yeah, mechanism is a really interesting one. It's quite, as you said, it's quite an underrated style. And um, there's been a couple of people making them recently. Um, 
Burning Sky did a beer called Snapsidgen. Yes, I had that. Was outstanding. It was really lovely. I think that I think they're great because they tick all. For me, I'm a big sort of pop lover, and they tick all of like the interesting hoppy notes. But potentially sometimes a little bit more complex and a little bit more interesting than a pale. And it does feel sometimes like the world is kind of flooded with pails and IPAs and dippers and everything else. And it's it's really nice to have something where hops are still a real important part of the beer, but in a slightly different way. No, absolutely. And you are right. I mean, there's horrendous... Nothing, nothing wrong with dippers, by the way. No, there, absolutely, there's nothing wrong with them. The reason that there are so many is because they're the most popular style. Exactly. Um, so, of course, everybody is always going to, to make sure they, they brew what people want to drink. But yeah, this is this is. I mean, you mentioned Snap Decision, Burning Skies, um, Brown Ale. I I did have that a few weeks back as well, and this is this gives it a run for its money for sure. That is uh, that's very high praise. Mm. It's, it's a it's a lovely lovely example of the style. Let's talk about the can art. Yes, because the Elusive's cans have a very distinct style. They do. Uh, all 8-bit and retro gaming. Um, yeah, so Andy's, I'm not going to call him a nerd, that's mean, but Andy's definitely someone who uh, is is big into to gaming and retro gaming and, and all of that kind of thing. And when he was homebrewing, then he got to know Greg and Brian, who went on to form Weirdbeard. And once they got going, they invited him to come and, come and brew. And it was actually a uh, Nelson Saison single hop beer that they brewed there and that eventually turned into Elusive's Lord Nelson uh, which is one of our kind of if not core beers then one that we we really love but as part of that they wanted to put Andy's name and logo on it which didn't exist at that point and so he kind of came up with his gate his Xbox gamer handle Tabamatu uh, which is also his Twitter handle if anyone wants to stalk him and yeah. um, and it turns out that Tabamatu is elusive in Estonian. Ooh. Good beer geek facts going on here. Right. Well, you know what? That's it's something I'd never questioned. I always knew that, yeah, Andy's Andy's handle was Tabamatu, and it just never occurred to me why that was. So no, me either. In Estonian. <laughs> so he said that when why um, Estonia? <laughs> when he was playing Xbox, he wanted to have elusive as part of his name, like his Xbox handle. Because he didn't plan on, he wasn't sort of on there all the time. Um, every version of Elusive was kind of taken, and so it was going through, going through various kind of versions of languages. And Tabamatu has got a nice ring to it. Um, yeah, I, I suppose if you're looking at a list of uh, translations of Elusive, Tabamatu does kind of jump out at you, doesn't it? Really? Yeah. I mean, not that I particularly know all the others, you know, <laughs> no, <me either. laughs> Lithuanian and uh, what. Well. Um, yes, yeah, so sort of a, a translation back of that obviously brings you back to Elusive. Yeah. Um, and then a friend of his, um, Kerry Jones, designed the logo, and that was obviously very sort of eight bit orientated. And it's kind of gone from there. And mm. um, so all of the can art tends to be certainly eight bit. If it can be, the only one that's a little bit different is um, mechanism. If you have a look at it, which is slightly more photographic, but we try to always sort of lean back to that, lead back to that kind of retro gaming vibe and kind of very much inspired by the video games especially the games on bbc micro and acorn electron so those are things that when andy was growing up that he was playing i have to admit that like it's been a very steep aiming curve for me since joining um, and whenever we're doing beer naming i spend a lot of time on wikipedia kind of going through random lists of of games um 
most of the names of which Andy has already used, it seems. Um, but we do yeah, try to always have a gaming reference or something um, on the can that, that has yeah. that. Um, and we've also got quite a lot of, kind of gaming, particularly retro gaming followers who like doing that and like the beer as well. So there's a really nice crossover. No, absolutely. Quite right. I'm, I'm, I don't game so much these days. Uh, it's finding the time, to be honest. But I used to uh, a long time ago. And I noticed one of your beers, one of your old beers, I'm not sure if you um, brewed it for a while, was called Arkanoid. Yes. Uh, we haven't brewed that for a while. Yeah. Um, it is one that sort of proudly sits being displayed on the brewery wall and people often sort of come in and say, oh, I, I know about that. Have you got yeah. any? Exactly. It's one of those games. But one of the games, so you, spending your time looking through Wikipedia for uh, for retro gaming names, I'm going to save you a little bit of time now. Um, oh, cool. Uh, okay, I have a pen and paper. I have a pen and paper at the ready. I'm going to I'm going to give you this one. This was one game that I used to play in the mid '80s that just took all of my time. I used to literally load this game up. I mean, you know, these are the days when you had to sort of load the game up, go away for half an hour or so. <laughs> while the game loaded up um, and then come back and play it. But the, the game that I used to love playing was called Spin Dizzy. That's a good beer name. Spin I like Dizzy. That. And exactly. I, I think that's a good beer name. Particularly... I, I do worry if maybe the Portman group would have something to say about it. <laughs> well, yes. That's the, the only slight concern. That's a possibility. That's a possibility. But I think it needs to be like a 12% impy stout, doesn't it, really? <laughs> I will put that forward at our next meeting. Excellent. There you go. I can't imagine any any legal trouble with that in any way, shape, or form. No, no. You know what? I've been trying to find kind of um, versions of that game uh, to download on, uh, you know, Xboxes or Playstations, and I cannot find it anywhere. I think you might be okay with that one. Give it a go. Yeah, give it a go. I gave some names to Brew York back in episode eight. They haven't used them yet. It, we'll, it see if could, we can, we'll, we'll see if we can be the first. It could well be that you're the first one to use one of my crap names. So, brilliant. I mean, <laughs> not saying a word. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about those other beers. Um, you mentioned um, Sphere of Destiny earlier as well and Level Up. Yes. What I love about, what I love about that is that you've, you've got four beers listed there, Level Up, Overdrive, Sphere of Destiny and Sunset Rider but they're all core beers that rotate hops. So, you know, like a lot of breweries, they'll have their core range will be the same beer, the same recipe with the same hops, the same malts, everything. So you, you've actually got something that essentially is a core range of the same beers, but they're not the same because uh, there's the different hops going on. And I love that. I love that idea of, of having a kind of, a known quantity of what the beer is roughly going to be like, but having those nuances, those differences each time it's brewed with a different, uh, you know, hot profile. That's a, a fantastic uh, idea, for, in my opinion. I mean, it's, I really love it too. It's actually something that I think is probably born more out of necessity than of uh, you know, actual planning. So Level Up's a really good example. So that was the, the beer that was uh, sort of first brewed at, at Dark Star, and that was with Citra and Simcoe. Um, but obviously then when you start a commercial brewery you don't necessarily automatically have um, hop contracts or, or any kind of way of guaranteeing to get what you want and you kind of say oh I'll, be able to have some Citra and some Simcoe please and actually if you haven't got my contracts then you can kind of be told to um, politely go away and maybe ask later in the year or, or borrow from someone else 
Um, and so that's kind of where the different different levels level up kind of came from as well in that case of what what is available mm. and what's really interesting is it's it's a good way to experiment and see how different hops work within kind of the same body of the beer and people really look forward to the next level and they'll kind of go back and compare it to different things they've had before I think a, a big part of brewing is yes you, re- you really want beers to be consistent but you also want to make them sort of as good as they possibly can be and so by having sort of different levels or different versions then it's it's quite a nice way to always kind of feel like looking for that constant improvement at the same time yeah no absolutely and the last episode i um actually sort of broke with a little bit of convention didn't didn't speak to a brewery um i spoke to simply hops and chris malt um and we talked about obviously hops and malts and one of the things that the guys from Simply Hops were saying was that because uh, we were talking about the amount of the likes of citra that is that is grown, and they were saying, and we were also talking about maybe um, hops like Nelson Sovin and, and those kind of hops, and they were saying that there are not a lot of core beers that have those hops in because of the fact that you can't yeah. get them in enough quantity. So you know, it is tempting to hop your core beers with the ones that you know that you're probably going to be able to get so i understand that what you're saying is that it's out of necessity but there's also i think a well worked out kind of plan to say well okay if we don't know that we're going to be able to get the same hops let's not just sort of say well for four or five years we'll brew it uh, with these hops whilst we know we can get them then we'll change it to another one for maybe two years you know see how that goes literally saying well okay we know we're not going to be able to get the same hops year on year. Let's make it a feature of our core range. Yeah. So it's a very clever way of doing it. Yes, it's out of necessity, but there may be other breweries that would try to hang on to a recipe for as long as they could lay their hands on those hops. I think it's, I mean, a lot of the beers that we make have sort of subtle tweaks as they go along. Um, not necessarily with the hopping, but um, so Spellbinder is a really good example, which is a, a coffee porter haven't brewed it for a while but we're brewing that again in a couple of weeks and for each different batch of spellbinder then we will work either we normally work with has been coffee there's been a couple of other people um in there along the way um but with has been then we'll always pick sort of a different coffee variety from a different region and so that then gives a slightly different sort of twist to each version of the beer uh, and again it's an, an opportunity to to experiment and to introduce new flavors but kind of within a package that people know if they like that beer they're going to like it consistently okay excellent let's talk about another beer oregon trail so oregon is one of the beers that i've guessed of all the beers we make that's the one we would say is our core beer um fantastic it's an absolute banger i think i don't make it so i can i can say that you can Um, and i totally agree with you absolutely I think it has real kind of, it's a funny word to say, but as a consumer, I think it's got kind of, it's got real kind of class that it's not trying to be big or swanky or anything. It just is a really wonderful, delicious thing all on its own. So that's one of the few beers at the brewery. We have a five barrel brew kit. Um, and so that will be a single brew for the more popular or kind of, I guess more sessionable beers. Then we'll do a, a double brew into a bigger fermenter. So Oregon is one of those 
And it's one of the few beers that we send off to do contract canning as well. So we have a little canning line at the brewery that we use for, for specials and for smaller brews. But said so there's only three of us, so doing kind of a, a big batch is a bit more than we can cope with. And so yeah, Oregon went off um, to the canners earlier this week, and so we'll get it back early next week, um, ready to go. And yeah, we're really excited about it. Um, it's actually been really interesting to see Andy kind of work with it. And it's, as you say, about like the breweries trying to be consistent in their core ranges. It's kind of, I guess, like the balance between being consistent, but also making the best beer you can possibly make. And the real challenge we've had recently, or not recently, but since we started to can beers, is to make sure that the beer that comes out of the tank and the beer that you as a consumer drink in the can are as close to each other as they possibly can be. And the last version of Oregon was was pretty close to that. We've made a couple of other kind of small tweaks to kind of improve that even more. So we want to make sure that everyone, each can of Oregon trail you get, you go, that's that's the same beer that's like just as delicious as it was before. But then also making small quality treat, um, tweaks. Because if we can make it even better and even closer to the quality that we're drinking out of the tank at the brewery, then that can only be a good thing. Okay, fantastic. And uh, yeah, so we're drinking obviously these three beers tonight. Um, Oregon Trail is another that you sent me. So thank you. You've got it in your fridge. And uh, that one, I'm so looking forward to to drinking that. I've had it a few times before. And I mean, it was last uh, for for last year. It was there. It was definitely there in the top three, I would say, of my beers of the year. Oh, thank you very much. Um, it was just uh, sublime. I'm very much, we were talking about hashtags earlier on when we said that, uh, you know, Bipper Comeback was uh, the Black IPA. I'm very much a fan of the West Coast is the best coast hashtag. Uh, I can run with that. I, I do I do adore uh, a West Coast IPA. Just love the intense bitterness that, that comes with a, with a West Coast IPA for sure. I think... West Coast for me, and, and I think for a lot of other people, has got some real sort of nostalgia attached to it as well. I think a lot of, certainly when I was kind of really getting into kind of more hoppy and what we kind of, I guess, call craft beers, say sort of seven or eight years ago, at the same time that a lot of other people were, the West Coast was, it was the style. Mm. And so now actually when I drink um, something like Oregon Trail, then it's a really kind of instant reminder of everything that was so exciting about beer at that stage and is so exciting now and yeah I, I love them and love that one in particular yeah absolutely you're, you're right like sort of like maybe Sierra Nevada Pale and yeah. uh, those kind of beers absolutely totally agree and also um a uh, another friend of the podcast uh Stacey Ia from Rock Leopard yes Brewing, he does some pretty pretty good uh West Coast IPAs as well so he really does and um, Stacey is another person that's going to come down and do a, a collaboration brewing in a month or so so excellent um, oh, that's great. so i think we on the beer style yet but if it's a west coast then personally i'll be really happy excellent yeah no well I, so will i uh right so we're moving on to another style now uh because we have the last beer for tonight is morris man double chocolate dry stout five percent abv so let's this i've i've had this once before um in the before times, you know, pre pre COVID, I like the before times. The before times, yeah, we all <laughs> we all long for the before times again. I went to a uh, beer festival. It was literally just before everything went to hell. Excellent. Uh, it was um, the Cask Beer Festival held in Peckham. Oh, in Bermondsey. Oh, in Peckham. 
Yeah, it was it was Bermondsey in 20, uh, 2019. They moved it. And they moved it to Peckham in 2020, literally at the start of the, um, well, it was like February, I think. And listed on Elusive Stand was another stout. Um, can't remember the name. You might be able to help me out here. It was a, a big imperial, really, like a monster, monster stout. It might have been Wasteland. Yes. Yeah. There you go. It was Wasteland. And I went to the, yeah, well done. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> and I went to the uh, the stand to, um, to grab myself some Wasteland. And uh, unfortunately, it had not quite, it wasn't quite ready. Um, so Andy, Andy couldn't bring it along. So he brought along a cask of uh, Morris Man instead. Now, obviously quite different in terms of, uh, you know, weightiness of the stout this is this is five i think wasteland is about maybe 10 11 something yeah like wasteland's 10 maybe yeah. yeah it might be 11 actually yeah so um so obviously quite different and i had some of that and it was just absolutely outstanding so i'm gonna lay into this now cheers mm. cheers i love the fact that it's a dry stout as well uh because you know don't get me wrong i do enjoy a lot of sweet stouts uh, but they can be a bit too overwhelming. Uh, whereas a dry stout is, you know, you you take a sip, you want to go back in for another sip straight away. It's a beer you can drink without sort of spending an hour just nursing it along, which I think a lot of kind of the sweeter and higher ABV stouts you have to do. So I, I do enjoy this one. I really like, it's got, I say it's got a really lovely kind of clean finish. Um, and the, the base stout, I'd say, is, is a lot to do with that. So the base stout, if you try it, is, is very dry, very clean. Still, like, bags of kind of roasted flavour, but quite kind of easygoing. And so you add the... We add chocolate and we add vanilla to that. Loads of chocolate in various different parts of the brew. And that really brings this amazing aroma and amazing flavour, but it doesn't bring that kind of cloying aspect because it's not an imperial stout. It's, I'd say, it's, it's 5%. It's something that... If you went to a pub or if you came to the tap room, then you could easily drink a couple of pints of it and and not kind of feel overwhelmed. Um, yeah, yeah. We, we make bigger stouts. We have uh, a Nexus range. The first of those came out um, a couple of months ago, which are definitely more on that kind of imperial end. But that's not what we're after with with Morris Man. It's meant to be really tasty, really delicious, all the chocolate flavour, but still still very much a beer, not a pudding. If I yeah. can if I can say that without getting into trouble. Yeah, no, I think it's a good, uh, I, it's a good point because you know there are, I mean, you know, uh, Amundsen even uh, even brand their uh, their some of their yeah. stouts as uh, putting in a can. And we've had some of the, um, we've been saying the unbarred uh, Imperial Bueno Shake at the tap oh, room, yes, and it's an absolutely yeah awesome beer, um, but they're just they're two very different things. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think I've seen any elusive sours in the past is that not there might there's been a couple um I couldn't name off the top of my head um we do have a few in the pipeline um as part of my induction that Andy's essentially made my kind of beer geek dreams come true and said that I can sort of design a beer and brew it and name it and do all the fun stuff and probably that will be a, a kind of a fruity sour there's a, a new kind of I guess the problem with with most sours normally is if you're doing you've either got sort of a, a kettle sour method um, or if you're using some kind of funky yeast then you really can't do that in a brewery that's got non-funky stuff going on 
but there's a couple of new yeasts out there that will ferment and sour at the same time, but without making your West Coast taste all funny. Um, so, so that's that, probably the angle we're going to go down. Is that the Philly yeast? Yeah, there's a couple, but Philly is one of them. Yeah, because in the last, uh, well, the last brewery episode with Pilot, oh, yeah, one, I was of beers, yes. one of the beers I had was the Philly sour, and I really, really enjoyed it. I'm, I'm so pleased that they're sort of starting to get more traction. For me, it's a style that can really help to bring more people into sort of the beer world. When I'm not selling beer, um, and again, in the before times, so I'm a qualified beer sommelier and I used to host quite a lot of sort of tastings and that kind of thing. And again, if you get people who don't like beer, but they do really like cider, then yeah. sours are a great way in. Um, I think it was uh, it's an awesome beer writer called Jane Payton, and um, he probably know, and she sort of has like a, like a Venn diagram of who will like what things. And it's like, if you like, if you like cider and you like wine, then sour beer is, is kind of like your go-to. So it's another, another way we can really, I guess, try to open up what we're doing a little bit. Yeah. And actually there's, if you don't like sours, then maybe a Flanders Red is going to be your bag and then you can work up to Kentian and all that kind of thing. Absolutely. It's difficult getting people into, into beer sometimes. So at least having that kind of entry point because of course I think non-beer drinkers do regard beer as being very one-dimensional when yeah. it's anything but yeah, I think that I mean in terms of all the things that you can drink if you take in to example sours and, and ales and lagers and and everything that's kind of in between and other hybrids kind of going in directions then beer as a category offers the the widest range of flavors but anything else certainly far more than wine so we just yeah need to need to maybe learn to talk to people in a, a way that is less scary about that kind of stuff and more more welcoming. Absolutely, absolutely. You've got a tap room over there at Elusive. We do. Um, and what are your, I mean, when is it open just at weekends or throughout the week? Uh, yeah, so at the moment we're only open on Saturdays. So we open our shop on Fridays and then shop and tap room on Saturdays from 12 till 6. We're on an industrial unit. Um, and so when we've only been able to open outside, we're basically using the car park that's outside of the brewery. And Monday to Friday, that's being used by lots of other people as well. So we have a tap room open at the moment outside. So there was a, an indoor tap room at Elusive that opened in November 2019. It was really lovely, but um, it had kind of retro games consoles and, and all kinds of kind of fun stuff. There you go. Oh, <laughs> um, I'm there. Beer no. retro gaming. What? What's not to but, love, right? It just seems like, it seems like a really natural thing to kind of try to bring those two things together. Obviously, that had to close in March last year. And at the point where over the summer, then pubs could reopen, then we just weren't in the right sort of states to do so. And then there were the rules about food and we don't have a kitchen. And so it was all quite, quite difficult. So we ran the outdoor tap room from, I want to say kind of from July, August time. I should remember I was working at it, but that ran up until um, Halloween was our last our kind of last day open because that was obviously the last weekend. Then we had November lockdown, and then most of Berkshire went into tier three and then tier four quite quite early on. But yeah, so the plan is to keep with the outside tap room on Saturdays, but also have the inside space open um, potentially a little bit longer, so Fridays and Thursdays. We really want to turn it sort of a little like a hub for the local community. So if if beer fans want to travel from wherever they want to come from and see us, then that is absolutely brilliant. But we don't want to just be about kind of 
theory people we want to be open to open to everyone um so really kind of going down sort of the i guess like the american taproom kind of route um to provide a space for the local community particularly because where we are there's there's loads of houses um and in terms of pubs you can walk to uh, it's basically us or siren yeah yeah uh, that, so really so really sort of providing a service at the same time i mean that, that's not a bad day out though is it you know no, it's, it's a you guys day out. i recommend it in a day that's that's a pretty good that's a pretty good day right there um as you say double barreled isn't far away and uh, i think you've got an, another you've got a few other breweries kind of in the local yeah area. you've got phantom phantom in reading and you've got a, a little kind of more traditional brewery called bond brews just down the road um ascot brewing company it's a really lovely kind of eerie community we've also got wild weather who aren't that far away mm. um and everyone kind of helps each other out and so it's often kind of like day before brew days oh like we're missing one bag of pail or have you got any can lids or all those and everyone kind of swaps around yeah i would say between us and siren it's it's 99.9 percent .9 us borrowing stuff from them <laughs> but it, it's a really lovely um it's a really lovely sort of supportive industry and we're really lucky to be in a, a kind of really like nice close geographical part of that with some other lovely people so what can you tell us about what's in store for the future um i feel like we've given quite a lot of it away already to be honest um so i guess There's some collabs us, coming sure sure but... lots lots of collabs coming so for us really the tap room is a big part of what we want to develop so we want to yeah, really give, give people the opportunity to try try as many of our beers as possible. So new things were coming down the track. Um, I mentioned Rock Leopard uh, and Anspach and Hob Day. We've got the Fruity Sour on its way. We've just got a little kind of unit, 500 litre, yeah, uni tank um, a couple of months ago, which was originally meant to just be used to photocarbonate our cans. But while it's not doing that, then we've also decided to use it as a, a sort of a fermenter for our smaller batches. So we've got uh, the first batch of Lord Nelson of this year currently sitting in tank because that's that's a wonderful beer but it's not one that sells particularly brilliantly in pubs I think trying to have a saison on keg as a regular thing is probably a little bit strategy even even at the moment but people really love it so we want to be able to can that so we've now got that available to do kind of smaller batches of things uh, we've got North Riding um, coming down so they're actually brewing with us next week as well uh, so we're brewing a pail with them and that's going to have strata and talus hops in which are quite kind of quite swanky so they might have been mentioned on your hop and malt they are, they are de rigueur in the hop world they are, we are using the hype hops with them um not riding in known for making uh, incredible pale ale so we hope to do something really tasty with them and yeah lots of other things so our, our brew calendar currently goes forward to about august We've got Emperor's Brew coming down um, to do a double version of uh, sorry, an imperial version of Morris Man, um, which would be amazing. So we're brewing with the best brewery in the world, according to Untapped. Yes, yeah. Um, which will be, yeah, really cool. Looking forward to them. So yeah, lots of lots of important, uh, exciting things. It's For us, it's always a really, because we're not very big, it's kind of a, a real interesting balancing act between making kind of really exciting, delicious forward-thinking beers that are going to grab people's attention and they want to buy cans of and drink at home but we also do still need to make really tasty four percent pails that you can sit in the pub and drink four pints of so it's a the brew schedule is really quite a fine balance of kind of fun beer and 
normal beer is is doing it a disservice but more approachable beer yeah yeah we want to be just as kind of approachable to so if someone wants a an old grey black IPA I suppose which is quite an out and out there kind of style we want to do that but also if you had someone who walked into sort of a more traditional pub down the road from us we want to have a beer that we know they're really going to enjoy as well yeah absolutely Ruth as you know when I do the podcast I ask the guest to ask a question of the next guest now you're not actually getting the question from the last guest because the question that Pat from Pilot two episodes ago the question that he posed really didn't suit the guests of last episode which was a which was a hop company and a malt company so the idea was that it would jump over them and come to you awesome Uh, here's Pat asking the question I think an interesting question and I, I have my views on it is kind of harking back to the supermarket question do we owe the people who've supported us on the way up anything? Or have they bought a product and sold it for a profit and that's it? I very much know my answer, but yeah, it's it's interesting to hear. Okay. I'm a bit of a pilot fangirl, so that was actually quite exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I now feel that, yeah, if I called Andy a games geek, then I get a sort of big geek with a big stamp on my forehead at this point. <laughs> um, wear, it, wear it with pride. I will do. Thank you. Yeah, it's a really interesting question. And I guess it's quite a difficult one to answer because you don't want to upset anyone in any way. I think our view as a business, first of all, is that when we work with customers, we try to have a relationship that is mutually beneficial. It's not about us being the provider and them being the customer and they, they buy it. We aim for more of a relationship than a transaction. And so that means that we wouldn't, it's not before that we owe them anything, but those people are really important to our business. And so they're the ones that have got us to where we're going or got to where we are now. And they're the ones that are going to help us get to where we're going. And that doesn't mean that we're never going to work with new people and we're never going to work with bigger people. But it does mean that we kind of, we really appreciate the help that we've got. And that would be taken into consideration when making any kind of further decision. Um, from a from a personal point of view, particularly sort of my sales hat on, I always think that as brewers, we need our customers far more than the customers need us. Decent beer, exceptional beer, actually. We're really lucky in the UK that you can get that from a wide variety of different places, but a, a good customer is really hard to find. Um, and so we probably need to, to cherish them as an industry slightly more than we do. And I always think that it's very easy kind of on like on the way up the hill to think, oh, I'm going to achieve amazing things um, and kind of sort everyone else. But then when we need help at some point, then we need to really sort of bear in mind how we've treated the people that we kind of scrambled over. And I think we, we need to remember that yeah, our business is important, but we want to we want to work with other people and help them grow. And in return, they help us and it it kind of all all works very well. And the other thing, honestly, that Probably not with Elusive, but in previous roles, I've always tried to think about, and when I've had people that I've trained or reported to me, I've tried to say to them, is we work in a very small industry. It's a really lovely industry, and the fact that you get to know so many people is great, but those people also probably have quite long memories. And so if you treat someone without a great deal of respect, just because they're in one particular job, you never know where that person is going to end up, and they will probably remember how they were treated. So. Uh, mm. 
it's all be nice. That's the that's the rule. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Very, very good answer. Very, very welcome. Oh, thank you. And, right. So now I need a question from you that I'm going to put to the guest on the next episode. Uh, yeah. So my question is, if you could do one thing to improve the beer industry, what would it be? Okay. Um, and question. yeah, I guess at, at the point of recording, then particularly as a, a woman in the beer industry, it's been quite a tense and it has been quite a difficult time and so I think that is something that as a wider industry we can maybe start to think about how we can make things better yeah now I was going to say literally as you said that that actually it's a it's a very pertinent question at the moment given Brienne uh was it rat magnet at rag on um Instagram Brienne Taylor Yes. Um, all of the stories that are coming out and, and I don't think only the US I think the majority of US but I think that's possibly because she's US-based. There have um, been a lot from the UK as well. A lot of UK stories as well. Yeah, certainly something needs to be addressed. So it's a very pertinent question at this time. Yeah, that's me being political without trying Absolutely. to be overly political. No, no, quite right. Absolutely. Um, I don't even think I'd call that political because it's a basic human right. I mean, I was reading, I can't remember who actually wrote the article but it was actually a lot of it was based on Amber Dunlop. Given the accounts that Amber was giving uh, of, of what's happening and what happens, I, I'm sure that you've encountered a lot of that as well. I think it's really interesting that, so if anyone hasn't, it's, uh, it's a good beer hunting article that you're referring to, and I, I'd recommend that anyone goes and reads it. Um, I mean, I'm happy to say, I mean, I've worked in the beer industry for 12 years. Every one of the first 10 of those years then... I was made to feel, I mean, the, the, the being talked down to bit is, is really shitty. Uh, yeah, but it's not the, it's um, not the necessary, there's but, the sexual harassment part as well. But, that, but I would say that every year of those 10 years, I've felt either uncomfortable or in danger at a beer event more than once in that year. That in itself, and the fact that I know that happens to every other woman I've spoken to where it's in the industry, it's happened to them and it's happened multiple times which if you look at it in a number of instances is is quite sickening mm. the thing this week that's actually been pretty harder than hearing about other people's experiences and and this is not a, a dig at, at anyone is how surprised people have been about the amount that's happened because I know it's been happening and Amber knows it's been happening and every other woman in the beer industry and not just women but people of colour and people of different of any different kind of walk of life religion sexuality anything we all know it's been happening because it's been happening to us and we've been telling people believe me we've been we've been telling people and so the fact that people are still surprised that it's happening is almost that's not as bad but it's kind of up there because why were we not taken seriously before and what do we have to do it's it's like as victims of this stuff it's really not our it's our problem but it's not our job to sort it out mm. um at all you wouldn't say that uh if someone got stabbed you wouldn't sort of say oh go and solve knife crime i know that i know that's like taking it to a whole different level and a lot of these instances no, but I see are not that serious no absolutely i see what you're saying but, it's but some fix it and anyone who is 
has heard about this stuff and is surprised by it, then fix it. Mm. Would be. Yeah. And call it out if you hear it. And, and, and call it out. Like, I talk to your mates. Honestly, like I think the number of times there's things like, like you say someone that wasn't that wasn't appropriate is oh I was only joking. It's like, well, if you've got a friend who jokes a lot, maybe start to think about how funny they are. Yeah. You know, to say I was, I was only joking is a flippant, you know, it, at the end of the day, it's a way to just cover up a lot of people when they're talking about certainly when they've had a few beers as well, when they're when they profess to be joking, it's actually they're actually talking more of their mind than than they would care to admit. It is really difficult. I mean, we're we're so lucky to work in an industry where like we work with our mates and work is going out and having a drink and having a nice time, and that's so wonderful. But the like the flip side and the darker side of that is that we work in positions where it seems like it's social, but if I'm at a beer festival and I'm chatting to someone, I'm doing that because and I'm being nice and smiley, I'm doing it because it's my job. Um yeah. the same as as, as a man is or anyone else like we're doing it because we're paid to do it but it's not read as that because it's in a social situation mm. um anyway i'll be really interested to hear what aaron has yes. to say absolutely well i will pose that question to the next guest whoever they may be whoever they may be the surprise the surprise guest. one of those things it's just <laughs> such a surprise <laughs> yeah all right it's gonna be aaron sorry <laughs> Sorry, that all got a bit serious. No, no, <laughs> honestly, don't, don't, don't worry. It's not a problem. It's been a week. Yeah, no, absolutely. I've, I've been, I've been reading all of the things, and I, um, with Brianne's um, Insta stories, um, I started reading them when it was uh, one, two, and three. Yeah. By the time I finished reading them, there was four and five, um, and I, who knows? I, I haven't checked over the last couple of days because there I've been is, busy, but um, there might be more now. There is also someone. Um, there's someone in the UK also who has said basically they're going to do a similar thing. Um, Siobhan Buchanan. Oh, Siobhan, at, yes. Siobhan. British Beer Girl. I think sometimes we put the like the craft beer industry on such a pedestal of being wonderful and inclusive and doing all the right things. And, and actually the people who do the right things do them often very vocally. It was actually really lovely to... Um, it was Pat from Pilot, wasn't it, when he was talking about like the charitable donations... Yeah. I didn't know they did that. I love their beer. I think they're awesome. Yeah. And the and I love them because they're great and then they're doing a good thing. But they weren't chanting about it. It was it was really nice. As an industry, there's there's so many people doing such good things. And um, but I think sometimes we maybe use that as a bit of a we sit there as an industry like we we are a force for good and we maybe use that as a cover up for a lot of the less good stuff that happens. Yeah. Right. Okay, well. <laughs> Ruth. <laughs> Seriously, that's, that's, I think that needed to be said, all that needed to be said, especially in, as you said, in this week where everything has, has been has been brought to the fore. Uh, but it's been fantastic, absolutely fantastic talking to you and also drinking the beers. Oh, good. Absolutely enjoyed all of those. And I know I'm going to enjoy Oregon Trail. Oregon's that's, a winner. That's, that's, that's already a given. Uh, Ruth, it's been fantastic um, talking to you and, and drinking the beers as well. Thank you so much for coming along and uh, talking about Elusive Brewery. Um, you know, if anybody out there listening hasn't actually had any beers from this brewery yet, what do you think you're doing? Just get out and buy some of their beers. They're outstanding. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. So if anyone does want to try our beers, then you can get 10% off on our web shop with code 
10 um, and I'll run that through to the end of July so you've got plenty of time um, and if you want to find us then we're on the internet um, in various places but on Twitter we're at Elusive Brew and same on Instagram and then Facebook we are Elusive Brewing or on your favourite search engine. Okay, fantastic. Okay, so that's uppercase BP as in beer prime, BP, uh, 10, as in that's the 10% discount you're going to get. So BP 10, use that guys, because it's great value beer anyway, but a 10% off as well. Fantastic. And follow those socials as well. And Ruth as well, your social media? Uh, yeah, so I'm on Instagram and Twitter as Beer Fairy. Uh, that's fairy spelt F-A-E-R-I-E. Um, because the more normal spelling was taken a long time ago. <laughs> Don't say that. Say you prefer that spelling. I prefer yeah. that spelling. Yeah. It's much um, better than normal. But, yeah, but the, than, yeah. the ladies on there is Beer Fairy, like the normal one. She's also very lovely. So follow us both. Excellent. Why no, not? Yeah, exactly. There you go. So at Beer Fairy, both spellings. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> fantastic. Ruth, it's been fantastic speaking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed listening to that chat as much as I enjoyed recording it. Uh, Lots of great stuff and particularly at the end there, some important things to consider. Read through the Instagram stories of Brienne Taylor and Siobhan Buchanan on at Rat Magnet and at British Beer Girl respectively. And if you see any discrimination or abuse happening, call it out, don't be silent and always believe women. And don't forget to use that code that Ruth mentioned at the end. So just to remind you again, it's uppercase BP, and that's B for beer, P for prime, 10, BP10. And that will give you 10% off of their wonderful beers on their web shop. As Ruth said, they'll have some Oregon Trail coming on to the web shop fairly soon. It's being canned at the moment. And also they will have their fifth birthday beers, as well as all those fantastic collaborations that they're doing outside of the birthday series, plus lots and lots of other great beers. So that's all for this episode. Thanks again to my guests, Ruth Mitchell from Elusive Brewing and Lee Grabham from Brew York. Thanks for listening. I'll be joined in the next episode in two weeks time by Aaron Fellows from Polly's Brew Co, based in North Wales. Goodbye.